Welcome to Female Founder Fridays. I'm Niamh Bushnell and Female Founder Fridays is part of the 100 million campaign from Tech Ireland. It's our mission to track 100 million in funding for female founders in Ireland in 2018. And today we are delighted to have Fiona Edwards Murphy, who is the CEO and co-founder of Apis Protect here with us. Thank you so much for being with us, Fiona. Thanks very much, Niamh. Thanks for having me. So uh, what we do at Apis Protect is we help beekeepers uh, reduce losses and increase productivity in their hives uh, using the Internet of Things and machine learning technologies. So I love, so when I first heard, because you know the way you hear about people kind of, you know, three people removed. I mean, in Ireland, that might be like two people removed. But yeah. it's like, yeah, there's this great woman down in Cork and she's doing this thing with bees and technology and it's really cool and, you know, you got to check her out. So I was very excited to hear about what you're doing. Is it a completely unique approach? Uh, yeah, it's essentially... Our initial approach using sensors in beehives is not is not actually brand new. There are several other companies, competitors out there already doing that. But where we really bring a unique angle to it is our use of machine learning. So we actually take the raw data from the beehives, things like you know temperature levels and CO2 levels, and convert that using machine learning into valid information for the beekeeper. So we tell the beekeeper, okay, this hive is healthy, this hive is unhealthy, and this is why. So what we actually do for the beekeeper is we don't give them huge amounts of data that they then have to like process through themselves because the beekeepers would rather just go out and inspect the beehive and find out what's wrong. Right. So what we do is we give them a really, really condensed, this is the apiary, so a beekeeper could have an apiary 20 miles that direction and 20 miles that direction. And what we do is we tell them, today you need to drive that direction. So we tell them the, the really core information that they need to know. And that's really, uh, beekeepers have responded really well to that. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, so, so how long have you been around? When was the company founded? So we founded in February 2017. Okay. Uh, yeah, so it's been an interesting, you know, year and a half now. Yeah, and you're still alive. Still alive, <laughs> definitely still alive, yeah. So did you, you did engineering in college, mm -hmm. right, at UCC? Yeah. Did you know that you were focused, going to be focusing on the, the bee industry, if that's the right way to, to give me that story. What, how did you bring you and bees and technology together? Yeah, sure. So um, it kind of all sparked initially when, during my undergrad uh, in electrical and electronic engineering in UCC. Uh, I got involved there with a group called the Embedded Systems Group. And that's basically the group where they research all different kinds of real-world applications of sensors. And I fell in love with this technology called wireless sensor networks, which has kind of, in the meantime, since I started studying it, been renamed the Internet of Things. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I worked on like a huge variety of different projects, things like you know health monitoring and you know um, actual like sensor uses and toys and things like that. Yeah. And uh, I knew that I wanted to pursue a PhD in that or in the in the technology space. And I was kind of uh, looking out for different applications of wireless sensor networks. And that's when I started hearing about you know bees and the problems that they were having. You know this was kind of in the you know. 2012, 2013 time when really people were kind of running around with their hair on fire over yeah. this. And uh, I was like, oh my God, like nobody's tried putting sensors in beehives, really. Nobody had done a huge amount of work in that area before. And I was like, that's perfect, you know, yeah. perfect for my PhD. So I spent four years uh, researching wireless sensor network applications for honeybee health. And uh, during that time, uh, I won an award and I was interviewed on Morning Ireland one morning and basically that after is, that, yeah, that was What was, was the award that you won? Uh, so it was the IEEE IBM 
uh, Students for a Smarter Planet Challenge. It was a really long name. <laughs> but the, the important thing was that uh, our project came first and the project from MIT came second. So that that, is that's big. why the interviews that's were big. happening. Fiona yeah. from work first, <laughs> yeah. MIT second. Yes, yeah. I love it. That's why there was a lot of kind of celebration over the award, really. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah, after that, after the interview, we basically, I was being constantly contacted by beekeepers in Ireland and abroad going, oh my God, I want sensors in my beehive. Uh, I think this could be really useful for what I do. And that's kind of when I began thinking, maybe this technology has like commercial application. It's not just a, you know, a research project about the health of bees. It could be something for practical beekeepers as well. Right. And that's when I finished up my PhD in 2017. I was on the Ignite program and uh, really trying to come up with a, a, a technology that could be usable for, for real life, uh, you know, large scale beekeepers, you know, beekeepers with tens of thousands of hives. Yeah. yeah, so Ignite is the program at UCC. Yes. Okay, yeah. for entrepreneurs who are setting yeah. up companies, mm. okay. Yeah, so it's for um, recent graduates uh, looking to break into the world of entrepreneurship. So really it helped me a lot go from being uh, you know, an engineer who would spent eight years learning about technology and nothing else uh, into learning all about you know, accounting and sales and marketing and all those things that you, know, you have to know about everything in order to start a company. So it helped really get that broad knowledge that you need to start off. Yeah, so, so before we go back to that and you being a female founder and funding and all of the business related stuff, mm -hmm. What is it about bees that made you fall in love with them? I have to know because I might go with you there <laughs> yeah. someday. Uh, I'm not even sure. It's just they're just fascinating when you start to learn about them, about the way the way that the hive is so it's so intelligent and that the bees are all individually they're 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 nothing almost and then put, you put them all together and they they know all these things like they're able to pr predict the weather and they create these different sounds like um the queen okay when the colony has uh, a second queen in it so essentially obviously there's only ever one queen in a hive right. but the hive can raise new queens it can lay uh, basically baby queens and when one of them is about to hatch they make this really really crazy sound called piping you should like google it and listen to it it's insane it sounds like birds it doesn't sound like bees at all and the two queens use those noises so they're kind of chirp 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 and they find each other and then they fight and <laughs> basically that decides who who leaves the hive and who takes half of the colony with them and then the 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 one who remains keeps the other half of the colony and it's just all these like crazy complicated things that they've worked out how to do and like Oh, I could talk for days about it, um, how bees use, and um, they have polarised lenses in their eyes, uh, so they actually use the sun to navigate, so they kind of have something similar to what you see in like a fighter plane, where they're like, I know exactly what angle I'm at, and how to find my way back to the beehive. All these things that they worked out, like millions of years before us, probably, I guess. Amazing. I don't know about the evolution cycle of bees, but I'm sure they worked this out before we did. And, <laughs> and where are we at? I mean, you said, you know, people going around with their hair on fire, you yeah. know, a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. Where are things at? in the story of the survival of bees? Yeah, so um, things are, are very difficult for beekeepers at the moment. So um, basically, there's a whole host of different problems. So I mean, like you hear an awful lot about, you know, pesticide use and how that, that damages bee health. But there is also other in, uh, factors, like things like just the decline in biodiversity in the environment. So bees need a whole access to like all different kinds of plants. You can't just drop them in the middle of a field of blueberries and expect them to eat nothing but blueberries like you wouldn't expect us to do that uh, and things like you know like just basically the declining wildlife yeah. and um, so there's a whole variety of different health problems and um, 
beekeepers themselves are finding it more difficult to manage essentially things like even simple beehive problems things like queenlessness or starvation things that are very easy to to fix once you know about them because beekeepers don't have access to the information that they need they end up losing a huge proportion of their beehives okay. so that's really what we're aiming to do so help them you know you don't need to fix the really really complicated problems things like colony collapse disorder right now you know if you can just help beekeepers identify okay there's 10 hives over there that are starving that's 10 hives saved and that's that's a significant amount of uh, you know honey and pollination and all different kinds of things like that yeah and then the other thing that you've got coming into it as well is that um the artificial or not artificial isn't really the word the um managed pollination industry so uh for example the almond industry in california yeah. so uh they need about 1.7 million beehives in this one particular area of California where they grow all of the almonds that are exported from California uh, in order to actually get so basically bees turn they they do the pollination that turns the flowers into nuts and there's a whole pile of different crops that bees are used for this for so things like almonds blueberries apples avocados so bees are really fundamentally important to our diet so a lot of the very very nutritious food that we eat comes from bees and honeybees are the only bees that we can basically utilize on an industrial scale. So, you know, like other bees, bumblebees and other kinds of solitary bees will do that work as well. Yeah. But we can take 1.7 million beehives and drop them in California. So we really need to make sure that we have honeybees for as long as we want to eat food, basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. OK, so it's 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 the problem hasn't gotten any better. It's, yeah, it's, it's basically yeah, staying the same. Yeah. yeah okay. And that's the problem is that um, so uh, initially, when things like colony collapse disorder first um, became a serious issue, I think there was a drop in the population of honeybees. But the problem is that the population of honeybees is not growing in proportion to the population of humans. And essentially, you know, if we increase the number of humans, we need to increase the number of food, which means yeah. we need to increase the number of honeybees, and we're not doing that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, hopefully, Apis Protect. It sounds like you're, I mean, and that is you know, a, a, a niche market, but it's a global market. Yes. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And there is, you know, there's, you can grow into a very yeah. large company by focusing on yeah, this issue and bees, mm-hmm. right? Exactly, yeah. So there's huge, a huge honeybee industry in the United States, in New Zealand, obviously, with things like Manuka honey, and then all throughout Europe, not just with um, the pollination industry, which is also kind of emerging here, but um, there is a huge demand for actual European honey within Europe. So I think consumers now are much, much more aware of not just the problem with honeybees, but the problem of, you know, uh, fake honey isn't really the word, but like poor honey from different parts of the world that when you pick up a jar of honey in a supermarket and you see it's a blend of non-EU honeys, then you're not really, that's not comparable to real honey. So there's a huge demand now for actual local honey all throughout Europe. And that's what we're hoping to help beekeepers meet that demand because they can't right now with the scale of beekeeping that they're doing. Okay. And that was a great kind of entree to win that IBM long name, whatever it was, competition, right? (laughs) And to kind of be out there. That was a, what a great entree to kind of go, we're here, you know. Yeah, it was brilliant. So so tell me about being a female founder. I mean, did Mm -hmm. you always, uh, you, you did engineering, electrical, electronic engineering in college. So I'm guessing you didn't, aspire to be or think that you were going to be an entrepreneur or did you um it's kind of hard to answer because yeah obviously I studied engineering so I was like fully dead set on being an engineer um but I think throughout throughout studying engineering and um you know we kind of had little modules and stuff like that on entrepreneurship and uh, an awful lot of the people that I know who graduated from engineering are now 
now have stirred up. So I think it's That's kind of... That's so great to hear. I think it's that it's a very similar philosophy to, like, when you're an engineer, you're kind of like, yeah, let's, you know, do 600 things at one time. And I think it's kind of... It's, <laughs> it doesn't... It shouldn't be a natural progression, but it kind of feels like it is a little bit. Yeah. So um, I don't think there was any... There was, I never at any stage sat down and went, yeah, I'm definitely going to be an entrepreneur. But I think it was always secretly kind of lurking around in the back of my head. Yeah. Brilliant. And, and, and a founder... And now f- raising money, and actually, I think you're going to tell us about some yeah. some very recent news. Bring us through that, and then we'll talk about you know being a founder and, and the challenges and yeah. the joys yeah. as well. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. So we're really excited now that we've um, we've successfully closed our seed round of 1.55 million euro, which is really exciting. Yeah, yeah. And our uh, we're really really excited. We're growing our team down in Cork, and we're deploying all over the world. We're deploying beehives in. The United States, the UK, Ireland, and South Africa at the moment, and Fabulous. yeah, it's been, it's been a great journey. Yeah, over the last kind of year, year and a half, and getting that funding, mm-hmm. uh, your your seed round, that's yes. a mix of international and Irish, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 And, and how did that feel uh, trying to go abroad looking mm-hmm. for seed funding and that, that whole experience? Because as we know, and you and I talked about this earlier, mm-hmm. uh, you know, seed is very hard to get in yeah. Ireland. It's hard to get everywhere, but mm-hmm. we're, we're kind of focused on here, right? We care about exactly. here. So, yeah. so, you know, how was that whole yeah, experience? So, yeah, like you said, like the seed round is always going to be, you know, I'm hoping it's the hardest <laughs> round, yeah. Um, no, but like, you know, when you're trying to convince people of an idea that you don't really have, like, you know, here's my 100,000 customers or something like that. Yeah. So it's it's already quite difficult. And then I think in, in Ireland it is particularly difficult because you don't have access to a huge number of venture capital funds and stuff like that that operate in the area. Yeah. And yeah, we're really, really excited to have Irish VC on board as well. But um, yeah, it was it was a challenge, and I think it's definitely something that that other people are experiencing as well. Yeah, yeah. Was it very different going to international investors than pitching here? Yes. Was the story very different? Tell us, tell us more it's, about that. Yeah, it's very different. Or um, essentially, we we approached it with the same pitch, but the mm-hmm. way that they it abroad, the way that they were thinking about you know the potential of an idea and stuff like that. They they seem to get really really excited really really quickly about how big this can be and you know it was particularly the american um, vcs they're uh very very interested in like you know okay we're gonna hook you up with everybody i know in the almond <laughs> industry and everybody i know in the blueberry industry and we're gonna take over the entire world and that's really exciting as well you know when you when you understand the potential of something and then somebody else is yeah. also really really excited yeah and you're singing from the same you check yeah to, to do it let's yeah. do it that 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 was really great. Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's cool. So I'm guessing you're going to do more if and when you do more fundraising. I know this round is just in, but mm-hmm. you'll be looking at for some of that international yes. energy and money and capital and yeah. yeah, and all of those connections, right? The international connect, connections and the networks that they can plug you into of, mm-hmm. of clients and supply yes. chain, all yeah. of that day one yeah. is so powerful. Yeah, and I think so. And I think that's definitely something uh, that one of the things we're most delighted about with our seed round is that all of the investors we've got on board now are bringing, bringing brilliant networks. You know, it's not just the money, it's also the like connections that, you know, the people that they've introduced us to. Even some of the beekeepers that we're actually working with right now, it's directly as a result of the... The, the, um, the investors' the investors, connections? Yeah, yeah, yeah. brilliant. Mm-hmm. So, so it's 
can we say who can we say yeah, who's in the round? So there's Finisterre, Atlantic Enter- Bridge, Atlantic Bridge, uh, the Yield Lab, the Yield Lab, uh, Radical Ventures, Radical Ventures in, based in the US. Yes, Where yeah. are they in the US? Uh, California. California and, and EI. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah so great. Okay. Team. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's a great team to have behind you. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks very much. Yeah. So, so female founder leading and running a business as a female founder being Irish I was I was reminding you earlier that the first time we met you were speaking at a conference and you were kind of saying something about the kind of the double whammy of being Irish and being female yeah exactly that that, uh, being being one of the the big disadvantages that women face when they go on to like leading anything it's not just entrepreneurship like definitely seen it in engineering and everything else as well is that women are very kind of you know, we think more about our negative qualities and we're always kind of like, oh, don't put yourself forward, don't step out of the line, don't say, I can do this and I can do it better than anyone else. And then Irish people get the exact same thing. So when you're an Irish woman, you're just kind of like, you know, you'll never ever get out of your box ever. <laughs> and it's very, very challenging to do that, yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. But culturally, I think slowly but surely we're getting getting better right are you seeing that yourself i I mean so yeah especially kind of even like i I only finished college a couple of years ago um but i go back regularly to ucc to go to like events and they ask me to come back and talk to oh here's a new ignite crowd and stuff like that and i think i've noticed definitely even in the four or five years since i've been finishing my undergrad students are thinking a lot more now about you know entrepreneurship putting themselves out there you know it's and it's great to see yeah, yeah, and they're talking bigger. Yes, definitely. It's not just, you know, I'm in Cork in Ireland and I'm only ever going to think about Cork in Ireland. They're thinking globally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. And so you're spending a lot of time in the States right now. Are yes. you going to end up having to kind of move over there maybe for a while? Or? Uh, yeah, yeah, we're looking into having a, a much stronger presence over there pretty quickly because it's it's become really obvious. I mean, we're, we've been doing just the installs of our, our hardware over there and it's kind of just thinking, like, even while you're out there, you're already planning, okay, right, I'm going to have to be back now in three weeks and I'm going to have to bring this and that with me. So I think we are definitely going to need to be much more present over there than we are right now. So yeah. that's in the pipeline. Yeah. But but it sounds like you enjoy that energy yeah. and the positivity mm. and yeah. the kind of the, yeah. Exactly, yeah. And one thing I really enjoy is being out there with the beekeepers, showing them this and being like, <laughs> right, this is this and this is your, here's your data on the laptop and stuff like that. And just seeing how they interact with it and the questions that they ask as well are definitely like they're the best questions to be asked you know they're like okay do you have an app I don't want an app I want a text alert and stuff like that so that's real information and feedback directly from the people who are going to be the customers ultimately yeah Yeah. I'm sure the tech team love that yeah come back and go here's (laughs) change everything (laughs) (laughs) no no yeah it's great yeah yeah Yeah. so so Irish bees how are Irish bees doing Irish bees they're doing all right there's not a huge amount of them yeah I mean like um well, definitely, I like to compare Ireland and New Zealand a lot because okay. uh, in New Zealand they've got the manuka industry, which is, you know, it's healthy honey and they've got this huge marketing force behind manuka honey. Yeah. And there's, oh, I try to remember my, my, my numbers now off the top of my head, I think it's like 300,000 beehives in New Zealand. Wow. And Ireland, you know, we're kind of same size, you know, climate wise, we're kind of relatively similar, same population size in terms of humans, and we've got about 30,000 bees. Yeah. And the thing is, here in Ireland, we have honey that's comparable to Manuka in terms of health, like things like Irish heather honey and Irish ivy honey. And I think that it's kind of something that somebody needs to do is create a kind of 
a driving force, kind of similar to what they're doing with Nukani here. And I think there's a huge opportunity there for that. Well, listen, if you do end up setting up that <laughs> Irish Honey yeah. organization, I have a, a, a friend, actually a female founder mm-hmm. here in Dublin that we've interviewed as part of the, the, I won't reveal just in case she's not ready to talk about her bees yet, <laughs> but uh, who, who is, is, has started um, having bees. And I just think it's, it's yeah. cool and it's kind of got me excited. And, you know, the environmental impact and everything mm-hmm. else, right? Yeah. It's, a great, it's a great positive looking after the world story and... and that's one of the other things that yeah. we all care about. Yeah. Brilliant. Fiona, thank you so much for Thanks being here. Much. Good luck with everything. Congratulations on the funding that you've just announced and uh, more of that. We look forward mm-hmm. to tracking it and watching it. Mm-hmm.